So here's what we're going to do then. We are on the third and final week of our series on mission. And I'm going to get your blood flowing early. I'm going to get you to say mission. And what we've done the last couple of weeks is we've started out in the first week kind of at the high level, big picture, uh, and we've been working our way kind of down more specific as we've gone. Now in week one, just quick recap, we talked about how God is a missional God. That's where this idea of mission originates. God is on a mission. He's up to something in the world. He's working on something in particularly, and that is the word reconciling. Remember that word? God is reconciling all things to himself, is what his word says. And he does this through the cross of Jesus Christ that we just acknowledged and celebrated and recognized. We read uh, and, and saw as well in the first week that God not only has a mission, but God has given us, Christians, his people, a mission. And it's not some totally different God's way over here and we're way over here. It says God has given us, 2 Corinthians 5, the ministry of reconciliation. So it's like, hand in glove, what God is doing and what, what he calls us to do, it's all pursuing the same kind of thing. So that's pretty cool. And last week, we gave a little more definition to our mission, that ministry of reconciliation, and we talked about discipleship. Somebody say now, discipleship. I just love hearing you guys, so that probably won't be the last time. Now, we said last week that discipleship is all about influencing people toward wholehearted worship of Jesus Christ. That's what we said. So whether you're, whether you're working with someone who's not a Christian yet and trying to lead them to the Lord or someone who is a Christian, you're trying to strengthen them in their faith, what about your own life? All of that is discipleship, and it's all about progressively moving closer to uh, worshiping more the love of the Lord Jesus. So that's where we're at, and today we're going to get even more specific on the how of our mission. So if you've got your Bible, grab hold of it and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. And if you were paying attention last week, you might look at this and say, didn't we already read this? Yes, we did. Yes, I have the right notes. We're starting here on purpose, and we're going we're gonna to branch out from here today. So let's read it together. Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I actually was not planning on you guys saying that out loud. That just like made my day. We're out of here. I'm gone. No, okay. Great job. So we read that last week. We talked about that last week. There's one word in this text that I want us to focus on today. See verse 19 on the left here, therefore what? Go. go. That word go is where we're starting from today. Now, Jesus has instructed us to do this. This is a command of the Lord Jesus. He says go. And our minds might go to different places when we hear him say go. Well, is he saying like go, like drop everything that I'm doing, like dramatic shift, dramatic change, whatever I'm doing in my life, I got to stop and, you know, do something else and go somewhere else? Maybe. Maybe your mind goes to, oh, he's, I know, I know it. He's saying go like, like into all the world, into foreign nations, like missionary work, right? That's what he's saying. I know it. I'm going to pass the test on this one. And that could be included here. But it's actually saying something a little more. And here's, here's, 
God does call some people to foreign mission fields. God does call some people to utterly, hey, you're going this way in life. I want you to stop and go a different route. He does do that. But he doesn't always call all of us to do those things. But we are all called to engage in the mission. That's a good time to say amen, just, you know, so you know. So what do we do with that word go then? How do we make sense of that word go? Here's what I would tell you. Our Bibles... I presume you're reading an English Bible. Our Bibles are in English. True or false? English was the original language the Bible was written in. False. It was not written in English. It was written many, many, many years ago across long generations and spans of time. And it was written in other languages like Hebrew and Greek. And it's been translated into English as we've gone. Now, that word go, it's just a simple two-letter word in English. And yeah, there's, you know, word pictures associated with that. But in its original language, housed in its original language, that word that we see as go actually kind of paints a little bit more vivid of a picture. And here's the best way I can sum it up for you is this. You ready? This could be like, get your pen ready. Right? It's as you go. Somebody say, as you go. And I don't know about you, when I see go and I see as you go, there can be quite a bit of overlap there for sure. They're not utterly opposite things, but there can be some divergence in there. They don't necessarily mean exactly the same thing. And as you go, I'm going to be honest with you, it's kind of a game changer as far as our mission goes. What it's saying is as you go about your life, do these things. It, again, God, you know, I'm not downplaying foreign mission work. Praise the Lord for missionaries. We need missionaries. Yes. Nor am I downplaying any urgency in this. It's not as you go, like, oh, that means it's not super important. I can take it easy. I'll put my feet up. And, you know, when the wind blows the right direction, this will all come together for me. No, this is, this is still a command. This is still an urgency and a purpose to this. But what this does, what as you go does, is that it activates every single one of us as believers to engage in discipleship wherever we are at any time. To work where we're planted. And what I would say to you this morning, because we've all come in from different kind of circumstances this week, all across the board, here's what I would say. God has you planted where you are right now for a reason. Sometimes we don't see the reason, especially if we're in a difficult season. God, where are you? God, why, why is all this happening? Sometimes we don't know that. Sometimes we never really know the purposes of God in these things. But what I would tell you is you are planted where you are today for a reason. And maybe, maybe in this particular season that you're in, going through this particular circumstance, living in this particular city, working at that particular job where you work, interacting with that particular group of people, maybe God is trying to do something through you. It's not always about, I gotta just get out of this situation as fast as I can, you know, run for the greener pastures. There's definitely something to be said about what, God, what are you trying to do in and through and around me in this situation? Because God, true or false, is in every situation. God is never, you know, oh, I've lost him, he's gone, he's missing. God is always with us. So, before we move on, um, I want to just remind us of last week, I, I said that there are two targets of discipleship. How many of you remember that I said that? 
couple of you, well, that's kind of terrible, actually. Okay, no, I'm just making fun. Two targets of discipleship. Uh, two demographics we take aim at in discipleship. One is other people. So we engage in discipleship toward others. We help others, uh, we help influence others toward Christ or growth in Christ. That's one target. The other one is ourselves in our own lives because discipleship happens in here as well. Um, there are things that we can do to influence our own walk toward Christ. Now, I'm excited to tell you that in the new year, which is like shockingly soon, um, we are going to spend a number of weeks talking about things we can do in our own lives to help grow our faith. And that's gonna be really good. I'm excited for that. Um, but for today, we're gonna focus on discipleship as it pertains to other people. You got it? Is that cool? It's what we're gonna do anyway, but that's where we're going. So we're talking about other people. Uh, we're talking about discipling others as we go. Now, here's what I want you to do. It's a little vague, but start conjuring up uh, some description of a mental picture of your life in your head. I know that's like, but start thinking of, start thinking of your life. Okay, what is your life like now in this season? Just go there, humor me. Uh, what sort of things do you do? What sort of activities are, involved, are you involved in? Now, I want you to picture intentionally some of the people you interact with in those situations. Maybe it's family members while you're at home. Maybe it's uh, your neighbors when you're going out to get in your car in the morning. Maybe it's your coworkers that you sit or stand next to at a six-foot distance. Uh, maybe it's the mail carrier that comes in at 10 o'clock every morning. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, the parents you sit next to at your kid's hockey game. How many of you know hockey rinks are places for ministry, amen? Um, maybe it's people that you know at church. Maybe it's other believers that you know in some other capacity. What I would tell you about all of those things, these are opportunities to influence people to Jesus Christ. Opportunity is the key word. These are opportunities, chances for us to show and to share the love of Jesus. These are opportunities for discipleship. These are opportunities for sharing the gospel. These are opportunities for helping another believer grow in their faith. And Jesus is saying, as you go through your life, Engage in discipleship with these people. Remember, you're planted where you're at for a reason. And so, again, even though it's as you go, there's purpose. There's, I don't know about you, it's sometimes easy to just sort of breeze along through life and not be super intentional in this area. Yeah, I've got people in my life. Yeah, some of them aren't Christians. Yeah, maybe some of them I could help grow, but like tomorrow, I'll just wait for like the perfect opportunity and that'll happen someday. No, there's purpose. We're to do this now. Now, and so I know that some of you might kind of bristle at that and you might think, I'm not gonna change how I'm acting in front of people. I'm not gonna change what I'm doing. Like I'm building a case here. You know, someday I'll tell them about Jesus, but not today. You can't tell me, Braden, what to do. That's too personal. If we're just being honest, I bet you somebody in here is saying that. Um, I would just remind you of the one who gave the instruction in the first place. It was not me. Jesus came and said, all authority has been given to me. So maybe I'm a jerk for saying this. Like if you picture your life and you picture the people in your life that you could have an influence on and an impact on and pointing them toward Christ or helping them grow in Christ and you say, ah, I'm not sure I wanna do that. Well, really the person that you have issue with is Jesus. So 
I'm not saying that to scold anybody, by the way. I'm saying that this is an opportunity for us. This is, this is a golden chance and a gift. What a gift it is. This struck me this week. God is not asking for all of us to utterly, you know, drop what we're doing and utterly change our lives completely. That's a gift from the Lord. He's saying, as you're living the life I've given you, as you're working where I've planted you, you can do the mission. That's what he's saying. So, this is a great opportunity for us. And I would again just encourage you by saying, if this freaks you out, I'm gonna have to step out in faith. I'm gonna have to act intentionally. I would remind you that he is with us always. We talked about that. So when you're going into the mission field, when you're as you're going, you're not doing it by yourself. Yeah, I can understand it's a bit intimidating maybe, but God is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And he will never leave us. He will always encourage us and empower us to the mission. So we've got everything we need to be able to do it. Now, we're still good so far? Okay, all right, we'll move on then. So we're gonna get into a couple of other texts in the Bible today. I'm excited for this. What I wanna do, rather than try to um, explore every possible discipleship scenario that could ever come up, in any one of our relationships. We'd be here a very long time and we'd still miss some. Here's what I wanna do. I, wanted, I wanna give you some principles on as you go discipleship from scripture. Sound good? And I would hazard a guess to say some of these are gonna to apply to your life, to your situation right where you are. And my prayer in this, as we do this, in fact, I'm gonna pray it right now, Lord, that as we get further into your word, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would stir in our hearts. I pray that you would give us, Lord, names and faces of people in our lives that we can do this with. God, let that be brought about starting now, starting today, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so get your pens ready. Principle number one, again, we're talking about as you go discipleship of other people, every day is an opportunity to engage in the mission. Like I kind of hinted at earlier, if we're picturing, you know, go as this grand epic, which it is, but like just the large scale, dramatic firework display kind of moments, and I'm not saying let's not think big, that's not what I'm saying at all, I'm saying don't miss the, the, the small things. Don't miss the everyday things. Don't miss the routine things. Because frankly, that's where we operate in most of the time in our lives. Even if you have a really exciting life, there's still the everyday. There's still the routine. And we can't overlook those things. Sometimes we end up kind of missing the forest for the trees, right? We're looking so big and so far down the road, there's an opportunity right here we don't even see. I'll give you a story about that just for fun. Uh, a few years ago, a couple of my aunts were carpooling from Fredericton to St. John. They, I think, were actually coming down on a Sunday morning uh, to come to a service at the harbor. And they're on their way down. And while they're on their way, you guys know the road between here and Fredericton is mostly woods and nothing. Uh, not much around. Well, the car started to have some trouble. And I know that would shock you because my aunt drives a Ford. But the car was struggling somehow. And eventually the car just quit. So she nursed it off to the side of the road. And that was fine. And I think one of them had CAA. It ended up not being a big deal. But they had to sit there and wait for the tow truck to come. While they're waiting... And yeah, I know there's lots of cars pulled off the side of the road, but like you would think maybe someone would suspect, I wonder if they're in trouble. Wonder if they need help. Wonder if there's something I can do for them. These two women just stuck on the side of the highway in the woods. So a few cars, you know, they're going by. A few cars 
pull over sort of around the same time. And my aunt thinks, great, my faith in humanity is restored. People are going to come help me. It's going to be awesome. Very quickly, she realizes, why aren't they coming over to me? They've pulled their cars off the road right ahead of her. There was a moose off the side of the road, and everyone got out of their car and was looking at the moose, which is pretty cool, like just kind of a grand creature, like it's awesome. But when they were done, the moose went on its way, they got back in their cars, and they drove off. And so I thought of that this week, and I thought there was an opportunity to do something, but you're looking at something else. You're looking for something else, and you miss what's just clearly right in front of you. Now, Acts chapter 17, you can go there if you want. Acts chapter 17, verse 16, uh, we read about Paul, who is in the city of Athens. And Paul, it tells us why he's there. He has not gone for a revival tour. He's not there for a preaching gig. He's not there for uh, a conference. It says he's just there in Athens hanging out. It says while he was waiting in Athens, he's not doing anything. He's just waiting. Just, you ever have days like that? There's not much going on. You're just hanging out. That's what Paul was doing. And it says in Acts 17, he started to notice the people around him it says, we're very religious in every way. And they were worshiping these statues and these gods, even one that said to an unknown God. So what does Paul do on this routine, regular, ordinary day? He starts talking to people and he starts reasoning with them. He goes into the marketplace and he starts telling people about Jesus on just a regular day. Now, another one, Acts chapter 18, uh, we read about Priscilla and Aquila and they're going to church. They're not... You know, it's not the evening service. It's not the special meeting. They're going to church. And while they're there, they hear this guy named Apollos speaking. Say Apollos for me. Rolls off the tongue. Apollos is speaking, and he's a good speaker, Apollos. He is like, we're talking like a lights and laser show and the fog machine, and he's really got the people pumped up, and he's just going for it. It's high energy. But the problem is he doesn't really know what he's talking about too much. And so Priscilla and Aquila, again, they were just going to church. They come alongside Apollos, and it says they explained the way more accurately to him. So Apollos is then able to go and be more effective in his ministry. Just because these guys saw an opportunity in their everyday life, they didn't even necessarily go out looking for it. But there it was, and they were faithful in it. Sometimes, again, I'll reiterate, God will put you in extraordinary, large, you know, crazy circumstances. Yes, he will, and let's be faithful in those, but don't overlook the seemingly small things. Even if it seems small and everyday and routine does not mean that God is not in it or working in it. Have to remember that. So every day is an opportunity to engage in the mission. Principle number two of as you go discipleship. And these aren't rocket science, but they're profound if we implement these in our lives. Pay attention to who is around you. Sometimes that can be a struggle. Sometimes I struggle with that. The mission field is all around us. We've already said there's people that we can influence to Christ lead to Christ, help grow in Christ, but we can be so focused, if we're being honest with ourselves, we can be so focused on what we're doing, we don't even notice the people around us. I do this, okay? This is confession time for me. A uh, bit of a weird thing that I do, kind of a character flaw maybe. I 
try to seem to do everything as fast as I can do it. And so I like, I, I talk fast, I drive fast, even if I'm not in a hurry. The other day we're behind the snowplow, Lori, we're behind the snowplow, not in a hurry, not late for anything, going like 50 and like not even in a hurry, just got to get there. Uh, I walk fast. It's not a sin to walk fast, but I have this weird thing when I walk fast, not even in a hurry, I'm, I'm just going for it. And here's what I do when I'm going for it. I do this. I'm, I'm tunnel vision. I'm like blinders on. If you're outside of this, like, I don't notice you. And people have said to me before, hey, I waved at you and you ignored me. And I say, it wasn't intentional, I'm sorry. So I was at UNB one day, a few years ago, and I'm, I'm just going for it, like not even in a hurry, just, and I'm doing this. And directly ahead of me, probably from me to the doorway, I see this person coming, like literally walking straight toward me, and I see them waving. Even though I saw them, I'm, like I'm locked in, I'm dialed in. And so we keep going, and we're probably, you know, half the distance from me to the doorway. And I obviously annoyed her, so she stops, and she waves more aggressively. And I, I'm still like this. I'm not, I'm not there. And finally, I'm probably from me to the front row away, and I obviously annoyed her again, and maybe hurt her feelings, and she said, hey! And that was enough for me to, you know. And she said, don't you recognize me? And it was one of Lori's friends who I had met like several times, walking straight toward her, didn't even notice her. And it was actually really awkward. Oh, uh, yeah, sure, I recognize you. Sorry, I was uh, absent-minded. That happens to me. Okay, thank you for bearing with me in my confession time. Now, here's what we're going to do. Grab your Bible again. Go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 8. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. He's looking for money, looking for some help. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and he said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And that's a VBS song, which we will not sing right now, but that's Acts chapter 3, 1 to 8. So a couple things. Again, we're talking about noticing the people who are around you as you go for discipleship. Here's a couple of things. The person in this story, the, the guy that was uh, healed, he was there all the time. He's just there all the time. It said um, they laid him daily at that gate of the temple. So who, who in your life seems to be there all the time? Who in your life kind of no matter what you're doing or where you go, you seem to just see them or they seem to crop up in your mind. Pay attention to that is what I'm saying. Another thing, Peter and John in this story were doing something that they did routinely. You read in Acts chapter two, it says that the believers met every day in the temple for worship. So here they are, 
just doing their thing. They're going to the temple, just doing what they do. And they took notice of this guy. So don't, uh, don't be so locked in or zoned. Don't be like me. That's the moral of this one. Don't be so zoned in on what you're doing, even if it's important, even if it's what you're usually doing. Take the time to notice who is around you because God could be speaking to you with that. Now, number three comes out of that one. Allow yourself to be inconvenienced. Also a struggle. Please pray for me. Um, you can't always do this. I'm not trying to be legalistic on this one. Sometimes you're legitimately in a hurry. It's an emergency. You can't stop. I get it. But we can't be so dialed in that we simply refuse to break our routine under any circumstances. In our story in Acts 3, the guy who got healed, he, it said, was asking for alms. He was looking for money. The guy essentially was panhandling. And I don't mean this wrong, but people who do that, like in our day, if we're being really honest, sometimes we can see people like that as an inconvenience. Why, again, I'm not saying this is right. I'm not gonna stop and give you money. Why are you standing there? It's minus 40 outside. Oh, you're tying up traffic. Okay, that's not a good attitude to have. Uh, but these are people that can be so easily overlooked and rejected by society. Peter and John were doing something important. Your life is important, right? They stopped, they allowed themselves to be inconvenienced, and they addressed this guy. Now, number four, again, comes out of this one. Connect relationally. Somebody say connect. It does not simply say that Peter and John just addressed this guy. Oh, hey, how you doing? And they're gone. Verse four of Acts three, I love how it says it. It says, Peter and John directed their gaze at this man. They didn't just say, hey, they looked him in the eye and he looked in their eye. They connected with him on a relational level is what you need to see in that. Now, some people, let's go to our lives with this. Sometimes we don't want to go down the discipleship road with somebody else because we're afraid to connect relationally. And you might say, well, I'm an introvert or I'm shy or I'm busy or I don't know what to say or I'm awkward or uh, I don't want to get rejected. We make all these reasons why we don't want to connect with people. But a great deal, discipleship happens in so many different ways. It can happen with a stranger. It can happen with someone you don't really know that well. It can be a one-off. It can be many discussions, whatever. So I'm not trying to, you know, put us in a, in a little box here. But I'm just saying a lot of the discipleship that we're going to see happens in the context of relationship. I heard, I was listening to a sermon the other day, and I think the Lord just dropped this in there for me. The guy preaching said, you're not biblical if you're not relational. So... We gotta connect with people on this level uh, because discipleship is not just standing at a distance and preaching to somebody. I'm doing that. There's a deliberate distance here, just saying, COVID, huh? That's funny. Um, but it's also getting into people's lives. It's rubbing shoulders with people, sometimes getting into the mess with them, coming alongside, connecting and encouraging and influencing toward Christ. And if you don't know anybody 
or you don't talk to anybody or you don't hang out with anybody, again, I will not say you're going to have no impact in discipleship because you can. But I'm saying you're cutting off a big area where you could have impact in discipleship. You're cutting off a big area of what God might be trying to do through you, just reaching out and connecting with someone else relationally. So we've got to kind of get out of our comfort zones a little bit. We, uh, we have to kind of put ourselves out there sometimes, to be blunt, because this is what the Lord is asking us to do. And I would just say as well, we've talked all about our plans as a church over the last few months, uh, like our growth cycle and stuff. This is like a key part of what we're doing as a church, like our church, like in this season, is we want to connect relationally, engage in relational environments with people. And again, if you're freaked out by that, I will say again, God is with you. God will help you. God will bless that effort. God will empower you and he will guide you in that. So have faith, take a step of faith, trust in the Lord, connect relationally. We're still doing good? We're still doing all right? Okay, number five then. Meet people's needs if possible. Meet people's needs if possible. Now, here's what I would submit to you. Our need as people, our biggest need, our deepest need is the Lord Jesus. I would say that's true for people definitely before they're saved, like people who aren't Christians yet, and if that's you today, you need Jesus. That's your deepest need. You might need lots of other things, physical, you know, relational, uh, whatever kind of needs, but Jesus is our deepest need. And even for us as Christians, true or false, our need for Jesus as Christians goes away once we're saved. That's false. We need him daily. We need to depend on his presence and his grace. We need to look to him uh, for not only our example, uh, but the one who helps us grow in our Christ-likeness. So we need Jesus. That never goes away. But as you know, sometimes other needs crop up. Like I said, physical, emotional, relational, whatever. And in life, how it works is sometimes those needs kind of are right here. Like if you're short on money at the end of the month, it's right there, amen? So we don't just ignore those needs, we address those needs. Because here's the thing, if we help somebody to get that need taken care of, well that's one thing, one less thing that's gonna be maybe blocking the path to seeing Jesus a little more clearly. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we take care of that need, it can help people focus more on their deepest need. And if you hear this and you say, that doesn't sound all that spiritual, Braden, like you're talking about things like you know, financial assistance for people? Yes. Are you talking about make a meal for somebody? Yes. Uh, maybe it's you're just listening to them. Maybe it's offering advice. Whatever it is, that can be part of the discipleship process because I will point you to a fantastic verse in Scripture. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus told us, let your light shine before others that they may see your what? good works, the things you're doing, the things you're doing to be helpful and beneficial, they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I love that verse because what that tells me is even though it might not seem, you know, I give somebody five bucks, that might not seem like a super spiritual thing, that can help the light bulb come on for somebody. That can help take away the wall that's maybe blocking them from seeing their deepest need. Let your light shine before others that they'll see your good works and it can help them to understand their need for Christ. I love that. So we're meeting needs if possible. Number six, again, not rocket science. It's simple but profound. Listen to what God is saying. Listen. We're not always good at listening. 
I say looking in the mirror. Turn to Acts chapter 8 now. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. You guys know this one. I'm going to kind of skip through it a little bit quick here. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So he's going, he sees this person in a chariot that's cruising along. Philip uh, is told by the Lord to go over to the chariot, get in the chariot. The guy's in there reading scripture. And Philip comes alongside and he starts to ask him some questions. The eunuch said to Philip, about the verse he was reading, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, about him or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, verse 35, and beginning with this scripture that the guy was already reading, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. I love that account. I think that's a great inclusion in the book of Acts. I love it. Now, again, we're talking about listen to what God is saying. So the beginning of that text in verse 26 says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. And when you see an angel of the Lord in scripture, angels oftentimes, one of the main roles they serve uh, to, to do is to be messengers from the Lord. So God has something he wants to say to this person and he delivers it via you know, the mail carrier, the angel, right? And even though it's an angel speaking, you need to understand that's God speaking. It's God's, you know, word coming to that person via the angel. So God has spoken here. True or false, God speaks to us in our lives. That's true. And you might not hear from an angel. Maybe you will. That'd be pretty cool. Actually, it's usually terrifying, it seems like, when you read scripture. But anyway, um, But think of all the other ways you can hear from the Lord, people. Through his word, through prayer, God speaks to us. Through wise counsel, God can speak to us. Through, uh, you guys know, the still small voice that crops up, God speaking. Maybe it's through opportunities that suddenly, mysteriously arise and you just can't, you know, look past. They're just right there. God speaks to us, his people, and we need to be listening because inevitably some of the things God is going to say when he's speaking to us, somewhere along the line, he's going to tell us to go to somebody. He's going to tell us to help somebody, to influence that person toward Christ for discipleship. So we need to be listening. And that's a lifetime of growing in our listening to God. But I just have to hit on that today. It's important that we're paying attention. We're listening to his voice. Listen to what God is saying. Number seven, and I think this is going to be pertaining to somebody today. Don't be hindered by your circumstances. It says, the angel told Philip, go south from the road to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's a real place in the world. And uh, it says, this is a desert place. Interesting that they included that, I think. And like I said, that road or that area is a real place in the world. And it is a desert place. There's not much there. And you guys know about geographical desert places, right? These are places where there's not much going on. There's not much growth. There's not much uh, happening. There's not much life there. 
everything kind of looks the same, like you can't necessarily, you look all around and it maybe is just sand for miles. It's uncomfortable in the desert, like it's hot, hot, and the sun's beating down relentlessly. It's a place where water isn't really flowing. That's a desert place. And what I want you to see here is that Philip is still used by God in that place. He didn't say, wait till you get to Gaza and then I'll do something. God uses Philip while in the desert. Philip is able to lead this person to Christ from the desert. Now, you know where I'm going. In our lives, sometimes we end up in a desert place. Not geographically, around here, not so much of that. But you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, about a desert place. It's a place where it doesn't seem like there's much going on. There's not much vitality or life in your life. It's a place where there's not much growth happening. You just seem to kind of be stuck. You guys ever been stuck before? It's a place where it's uncomfortable. It's not a, a, a real pleasant place to be and you want to just kind of get out of that and, and move on somewhere else. It's a place where you don't really, like everything just looks unfamiliar. You can't make heads or tails of anything. What do I even do? Where do I even go from here? It's a place where the waters of blessing and, and God's provision seemingly are not really flowing by you. You guys know exactly what I mean. Maybe somebody's in a desert place here today. And we get in those for different reasons. Maybe it's um, our circumstances put us there or a loss or grieving or um, just suffering or pain or struggling or doubting or questioning, whatever it is. Listen to me. I love you. I say this out of love. Don't let that excuse you from the mission. Our enemy knows when we're in a desert place. He knows when we're in a struggle. And he tries to capitalize on that and say, you should just you know, be on the sideline for a while. You can't do anything while you're like this. You're, you're just, you, know, you, you can't do anything useful for God. Just don't even try, just you know, park it over here. That clearly isn't the case. God can use you from the desert place that you're in. God can do something in your life in this season of seemingly being in the wilderness. And your, situa your situation might be terrible. Honestly, guys, acknowledge that. You don't have to pretend like it isn't. You could be a victim of something. And I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just saying God can still use you and God wants to use you in that desert place. Maybe, maybe part of the reason that you're in that desert place is to find someone else who's in a desert. If you weren't in the desert, you wouldn't even go looking for them. Maybe God's trying to line you up with that person. Maybe they're in a different desert than you or the very same desert. But God can use you in that situation. Are you picking up what I'm laying down here? Okay. Number eight then. God might send you to someone different than you. And different than you. I don't mean to over-politicize that word different. Like, oh, they're different. They should be looked down on. They're less than. No. Not different like that. I just simply to acknowledge we're not all the same. We have different circumstances and different backgrounds and different personalities and different annoying quirks. Not you guys, but you know, other people. In in this account in Acts 8, Philip gets linked up with this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, Ethiopia is a country today. This isn't the same region it's talking about there. And in that day, Ethiopia was a region in northern Africa. At any rate, it was a different culture. 
Different values, different place geographically than where Philip was coming from. This guy probably didn't look like Philip. He probably didn't talk like Philip. Uh, he probably didn't dress like Philip. Philip probably didn't hang out with a lot of Ethiopian eunuchs. And yet, that's exactly who God leads him to. Not just to hang out, not just so he can hitchhike, so he can influence that person toward Christ. That's discipleship. Don't be shocked if God sends you to someone different than you. Don't be shocked if God sends you to someone that you might not have a lot in common with. God, they're not even a Christian. They're, I don't know, Presbyterian. God, they're weird. Don't be shocked if God does that. Don't be shocked if God sends you to someone you might not even like. He can do that. And listen, when God speaks, when God sends that's the end of the story. We don't need to make distinctions. Well, I'm this and they're that. No, go and be faithful in that sending. God does that. Number nine, you guys are doing great. We're winding down here soon. Answer people's questions. Not rocket science. Answer people's questions. The eunuch in Acts 8 had questions. He said, can you help me understand the scriptures? He said, who is this scripture talking about? He said, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip answered him. Shocking, I know. Um, if people ask questions in your life, and here's the cool thing, as we're engaging in discipleship, people are going to start asking questions. That's going to happen. And you don't have to cower in fear or in dread of the day that someone asks you a question. I want you to know you have the authority in Christ to answer people's questions about Christ. And you might say, well, I don't know very much. I'm new. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the Bible very well. You at least know something. Can I just encourage you with that? Even if, watch my hands, you don't know anything, I guarantee you know something. You know the fact that you were once dead in your sins and apart from God and you were saved by Jesus Christ and now you belong to him. You at least know that. And you can tell them that. Now, I'm not saying you should answer questions that you legitimately have no idea what the answer is. Let's not be unwise in that. But listen, you know what a great answer is in that situation? I don't know, but I'll look into it for you. That's a fantastic answer. So if people ask questions, let's answer them because that is part of this whole thing. Um, that's part of the thing uh, when we're discipling other people. Whether they're Christians or not, we are authorized to do this. Now the last one, I saved my favorite one for last. Number 10, unashamedly point to Jesus. I don't mean necessarily you'd lead off with this one. Maybe you would if the situation arises, but you, know, you might keep it for like a little bit into the conversation. Um, in Acts 3, about Peter and John and the guy outside the, the temple. They were doing all these other things, okay? They had their eyes open to opportunities. They were paying attention to those who were around them. They allowed themselves to be inconvenienced. They connected with the guy relationally. They met his need, but they were sure to bring Jesus into the conversation. You can't miss that. Acts 8, the one we just read there, Philip is doing his thing. He's hanging out with the eunuch. He's answering questions, the whole thing. And he, is, he absolutely jumps on bringing Jesus into that conversation. I love how it says in Acts 8.35, it says, Philip opened his mouth and told him the good news about Jesus. How do we complicate that? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we're reluctant to open our mouth 
and to speak the name of Jesus and to tell people the good news of Jesus. And I said last week, and I will say again, we got to get over that, my friends. We got to get over it in a hurry. You say, well, I don't want to preach it, people. I don't want to be that religious weirdo. I don't want to cram it down their throats. I don't want to draw attention to myself. Listen to me. We are not to be ashamed of who he is. We are not to be ashamed of what he has done. We are not to be ashamed of our Lord and Savior. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel. And again, this isn't just with non-Christians. With other believers, I've noticed, sometimes there's opportunities. And it's not just some religious thing about, oh, I say the name Jesus and there, you know, check. No, but sometimes we're reluctant to, to bring Jesus into it even when we're talking with each other. And I don't get it. I'm not saying I've done it perfectly every time, but like, look, when you come into a situation where you can encourage another believer, let's talk about Jesus. Let's look to Jesus. Let's praise Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like the mission is all about him anyway. We've already talked about that. It's not just about us doing this or that or whatever. Like it's, it's about people coming to and growing in Christ, including you. So let's talk about him. Let's make much of a deal about him. Uh, let's be a people who are not ashamed or embarrassed to bring Jesus into the conversation, even with each other. That's what I'm saying. You guys good? All right, the band is coming up. We're gonna wrap up here then. And I hope as we wind this series down, I hope that this has been encouraging for you. Even if this has all been refresher for you, I hope that you're encouraged because you have an opportunity, you do, and you do, and I do, you have an opportunity to engage in the mission that God has given you as you go about your daily life. Here's what I wanna tell you today. Listen to this, listen to this. You can do this. What did I say? You can do this. I want you to turn to someone you're sitting by right now and say, you can do this. Right? So listen, yes, we need to grow in this. I'm not saying we're gonna nail it out of the park every swing, but you can do this. We can do this. God has given us everything we need to engage in the mission. And now that we wrap this year up and start into a new year and seek the Lord's plans and the Lord's heart, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a step of faith and, and ask the Lord to strengthen us in this area. Let's, let's take a leap of faith and go to the people God is sending us to. Let's speak the name of Jesus. Let's point people to Jesus. Let's encourage people in Jesus. Like I said, we're gonna learn in the new year about how we can do that in our own lives. But let's not forget about our mission. Let's not forget about discipleship of others. Will we be a people who will humble ourselves and come under the word and the authority of the Lord today? Will you do this? It's not about what the person beside you is doing. Are you going to do this? Because ultimately, we want to see, and I want you to get on your feet right now, please, please and thank you. Let's get on our feet because we want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see Jesus high and exalted. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. We want to see people's lives and legacies be changed in Jesus Christ. We want to see believers in Jesus growing in their Christ-likeness for Jesus' glory. We want to see addictions broken in Jesus. We want to see hope restored and renewed in Jesus. We want to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And he's given us a role to play in that. So we better do it. We better do it. Are you guys in? Are you with me here? Okay, yes, Lord. Yes.